As an engineering leader, you know firsthand that achieving work-life balance can be hard. Many business owners struggle with the balance between their personal lives and their work. This leads to stress and a feeling of regret. But that's not the case for the listeners of the Engineer Your Success podcast with Dr. James Bryant. This podcast provides tools, tips, and techniques to help you achieve success both in business and in life. Tune in. Let's engineer your success today. Hey, I want to welcome you to the Engineer Your Success podcast. My name is Dr. James Bryant, your host. I have the pleasure of having a special guest today. So those of you that are longtime listeners of the podcast know that I have not had a lot of guests on this year. But today, I wanted to bring you a special guest, Mr. Sol Rosenbaum. Sol, how are you doing today? I'm doing excellent. Thank you. Hey, man, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? I've been in the engineering field for a little over 20 years. I have a bachelor's and master's in mechanical engineering, and I went directly into the energy efficiency area of the field right out of engineering school. There's been a lot of charities and stuff I'm sure that we will get into, but I now do engineering work within the mortgage finance industry. I have a small firm that provides various energy audits, various engineering reviews within that space. And I also have a passion for mentoring younger engineers. So I started out the engineering mentor, which is a resource for younger engineers to get some of the guidance that I know has helped me along in my career. Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit more about your engineering business. How did you wind up taking this path to where you are now? You know, it's interesting. I actually moved. I've been working remotely for 15 years and I moved and I thought that the company that I left, I thought, oh, okay, they'll keep me on because I know they had a hard time finding somebody to fill that position. And I figured, okay, we're moving. I'll keep that position in some manner. I'm sure they'll find somebody else, but it'll be a really nice soft landing. Turns out corporate wanted none of that. And they said, okay, hey, that's great. We wish you all success with your move, but your last day will be whenever you're moving. Oh, wow. And so I sort of got thrown into the whole idea of consulting a, a little bit by accident. It was not the initial plan, but I started doing the consulting, like I said, 15 years ago, really enjoyed it. There was a period of time, sort of three or four years before Corona, mm -hmm. that I ended up getting hired full time by one of my clients because at the time, and we can discuss this as well, I was getting completely burnt out. I was not scaling the company well. And at the time they made that offer, I went, okay, you know what? I'm going to go do that. Corona shook things up once again. And I came back to the firm, but this time I sort of have my eyes open and realize, okay, if I want to scale, here are the things I need to do. And here are the things I need to oh, completely avoid. So then I don't run into that same problem once again. Ooh, ooh let, let's talk about that a little bit. So what were some of the things that you absolutely had to avoid in order for you to scale your business? The, the biggest one, well, it's not really to scale the business because before I took that full-time job, I was making good money. This was not a money decision. It was more of a running yourself ragged decision yeah. that it's, you need to get out of that mindset of, okay, oh, I have to take that, this job. I have to take this project because what's going to come next month? Instead yeah. of looking at the reality that here I was, like I said, I did not plan to get into consulting, but I did. And I'm fairly successful with it from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And instead of looking at that track record and saying, hey, here's eight years where the minimum that I ever had in a month was X. Yeah. And I was always in that range. So you know what? Don't take that extra project. You're fine. Like, look at that actual reality. But that is really now I see that. <laughs> but at, in the time, <laughs> oh, man, somebody would send me. I, I had people who 
finished a long day, you put in your nine, 10 hours and somebody's like, hey, at any time for a quick turnaround project that we yeah. need tomorrow morning, like, oh, sure, no problem. And now you're up till 1130 at night. Oh, wow. Okay. But it was happening too often. It was bad. And so what, what happened was one of my clients, they were creating a new position mm-hmm. and they basically hired me into that new position, which really helped me. It actually helped build up some additional management skills at that okay. time, which have now helped me as I've come back to the firm mm-hmm. and those types of things. I think I also realized that I, I had my engineering firm. I also had a small handyman firm on the side, which was just like the classic engineer likes to fix things yeah. also. So it kind of, it, it fed my need for both of those things. Yeah. But the problem was because you have both of them, neither one can really scale because yes. it was all on me. Yeah. You can't hire people and say, oh, by the way, we're taking two weeks off because I'm doing my engineering work. Like I, I'm not going to be here. I can't do that. And so I realized now that I'm back, I need to focus. I have my engineering firm and now we can grow because I'm always here and I'm not doing everything. I do have engineers that can work for me okay. and I can have that technical oversight that have the planning, mm-hmm. but I'm still around as opposed to just leaving them like, all right, we're off because <laughs> you can't do that with a real business. So one of the things you just mentioned is that when a client that you were helping create a position for you, you took some time apart from running your business to go back into that position that you were able to build up some management skills that now you see that are beneficial for you as you run your business, what were the top three things that really taught you from a management skill perspective? Right. Well, I think there's, I think business development was a very big one. Okay. I already had some business development skills from earlier in my career where I was the business development manager for a smaller utility company. Okay. And that's one of those skills where I think anybody who moves into management needs to have some sort of skills to help develop those projects. I also upped my networking game when I moved there, mm-hmm. because we were really responsible for a lot of outreach. And what happened was all of the directors at this company, this is a due diligence company within the mortgage finance industry. Mm-hmm. They would all have their contacts within various lenders, various real estate professionals, but they would all come back to me whenever they had a greener energy project question. So there were just a, a ton of people I had to keep track of dealing with everybody and really keeping up those relationships. The other thing that I think was very important then really helped me out was scheduling of projects and really understanding the sequences of operation. Because if it's, it's totally fine. Most startups, most people start out as a solopreneur. You're not starting out at this huge firm. So yeah. everything is on you initially. Yeah. And it's really easy to say, okay, hey, I'm going to hire an accountant to take care of that. But when you hire an engineer and you say, okay, what are actually the steps that I take to this project? It helps you get them down because when you're doing it yourself, you don't have to really follow a specific order. You don't have to follow a path. You just know where you're going to in the end, you know, like the, like the output mm-hmm. of that project. And so it was important to me to say, okay, here are the variables that I need collected at the beginning. Here's the steps. And to go through that, because that's the only way that you can pass it off to somebody else in, in any sort of efficient manner. Yeah, you, you want to have the ability to delegate properly. And I think the steps that you're talking about is something that you need in order to delegate. One of the ways that I help my clients uh, do something like this is that they're in a firm, they have activities that they really don't need to be doing anymore, but they don't necessarily have the confidence to kind of pass it off to this next person, to pass it off to the person that needs to do it. And then when I challenge them, hey, do you have a standard operating procedure, kind of the steps that you're talking about? They say, I don't have time to write a standard operating procedure. So one of the ways that we do that, we handle this is, okay, next time you do the task, what I want you to do, call the person in, 
I want you to do a screen recording of all of the steps that you're taking to actually do the task. Give that recording to the individual, have them review the video and write out the steps that they see. They can develop the standard operating procedures. They can then show it to you, share it with you, and then you can fill in the gaps. And so that's one yes. way to get people started along that path without thinking that, oh, I got to develop all of this stuff, find innovative ways in which to tackle that problem. Right. Well, I think uh, two things there. Number one, um, I don't know if you use Loam, mm -hmm. but I have found that's a great way to kind of pass those types of things along. But you also pointed out that the whole idea of not having the time for it. Yeah. You're right. They probably don't have the time to put something else on their, on their schedule mm -hmm. then, but it really has to be a bit of a long-term approach to say, hey, you know what? Let me get something down. Start moving along with that. Mm -hmm. Because long-term, that's the only way that you're going to free yourself up so I do those other tasks or to get somebody to take over. It's really. No, you're right. And the reason that I recommend the, the approach that I do is that they're going to do the work themselves anyway. Right. So it right. doesn't take a lot of time to press record to do the screen recording while you're actually doing it. You're adding no time to add that activity. Right. You're well, able to then put things into place so that you can accomplish what you want to accomplish. Right. And I think what that also does is if you can start setting up a library of these things, yep. then it's not just that one new employee. It's now in six months, in a year, you're hiring a second person into that same role. Say, hey, go, go watch these 10 videos, familiarize yourself with them, and that's your foundational. So you sort of have internal coursework that you're developing. Yeah, so that's great, man. So you're doing energy things in the for a a mortgage finance company. So you're, you work a lot with real estate investors or firms that are doing this stuff or what would be your main client? So, okay. So it's within the mortgage finance world. Okay. My main clients are twofold. It's generally due diligence providers who as part of that whole process, it's sort of like a home inspection mm -hmm. for a residential property, but for a commercial property, they have a more robust process. So these are companies that are coming in. Sometimes I'm there as overflow. They need some another body to help take over some of that work. Sometimes they don't have the energy efficiency side of things. So they're doing the regular inspection and we're doing the energy side. Okay. I also work with some other government loans. There's the uh, SBA 504, for example. So on those, I'm generally working with the CDC, which is the individuals who are helping kind of get the loan together. They'll work with the borrower. So I might interact with the borrower, but I don't generally work directly for them okay. in, the, in those cases. Okay. So you also mentioned a program that you've developed for younger engineers or, and so talk a little bit about that. Right. Well, I, I'll tell you, it's interesting. When I look back at my career, I sort of can pinpoint like all of the bosses, all those supervisors, all of those just senior engineers that really helped me along on my path. And I know that I would not be where I am today if it were not for them. And I kind of thought that was the norm. And that, it wasn't until you start talking to some other engineers and you realize oh, wow, like you really got lucky. You had some really good folks that helped you along. I also had a family with a whole bunch of engineers, uh, yeah. not to mention just the fact that I have a family of my, both of my parents went to university. So just the whole university process, all of these things add up and then you start to realize other people don't have that. And so I can't really, it's hard to pay back a, somebody who supervised from years ago. You know, you can say thank you, but how does it help pay it forward? And that's what I was, sort of hoping to do with the engineering mentor that this is my way of saying, hey, those guys helped me. Now let me kind of pass it along and help you guys out. And, and it kind of covers all of the non-technical side of engineering success. That's really my focus 
Okay. In that group. Hey, this is James, and I'm here to help you win at work and at home. Let's connect. You can use the link in the show notes to schedule a complimentary session. We're going to walk through the steps that it's going to take for you to start thriving so you can engineer your success and live the life that you love. Come on, sign up today. Okay, so tell us a little bit more about the group. How long has it been going on? What are some of the activities that you guys are doing? Right, so unfortunately, it's not as big as as I would hope it would be. Um, And part of that is because I do have to focus on my full-time job. But if down the road, this took over more of my time, I really would be, I think I would enjoy it a lot. So that, that is a certainly a potential future landing spot for me. Right okay. now, I do a lot of posts on LinkedIn about mm-hmm. that are aimed towards younger engineers, helping them out. I interact with a lot of them there. I have the okay. website where I, there's a lot of articles they can get. And I also have a free newsletter there as well. I do once in a while run some various networking courses. And I do have a book that's in the early stages, I have part of it written, and I'm hoping to have that out later this year. No, I, Saul, I think that is great. So let's take a moment. This is a process that I would take my clients through. Let's think through what would it look like for you to, for the engineering mentor to be what it is that you wanted to be? What is your vision for that program? Oh, man, I'll tell you. I, I think that one of, the, one of the reasons why I'm writing the book is to really use that as a marketing tool and have people sort of see me there. If I could run courses for younger engineers, go do public speaking events for at different schools, and then oversee, still oversee the engineering firm, but have a big focus on that mentoring work, mm-hmm. I, I would love that. If I could actually make a career of that, pay my bills from that, I'd be very happy to do that. Okay, well, what is stopping you from doing that? That's a good question. I think that right now, probably the fact that I'm very much involved in the engineering firm, and there are some things going on with the firm that as we grow, some of the technical items would be less on my plate. Mm-hmm. And the business development side of things, that is much more flexible in terms of timing. So I am definitely, I am growing the mentoring side of things. Mm-hmm. And I think that the book, that's sort of my big project at this point. And okay. I have taken on several workshops I did with the Iron Range Academy. Okay. Or Iron Range Belt. The Bell program, I know it's, it's from the University of Minnesota. It's an excellent engineering program. So I did some workshops with them last year. Those are the types of things I'd like to develop a little bit further and have more of those. Okay. And so you may or may not have developed a business plan when you got into consulting, but now you have the engineering mentor. Have you laid out a business plan for that growth? Not specifically. I have okay. some goals that I have in mind. And things I'd like to do along the way. But no, I do not have a specific business plan for it. But now that you sort of bring that up, like that would actually get me to think and really put it down. And that's something that I certainly recognize the value of really based on I'm in the middle. I'm still waiting for the results. There was a book contest Mm -hmm. and from this group that I was involved with. And I figured, you know what? I have no idea what my chances of winning are. They're going to announce it in two weeks. And my feeling was, if I win, that's awesome. Because then you obviously have this publishing house behind you. Yeah. If I don't win, what was really amazing about this whole process is that I had to produce a 70-page submission that included mm-hmm. all my entire table of contents, chapter abstracts, yep. samples. Just getting all of that down really propelled me forward because 
yeah, I, I said I want to write a book. I had some topics in mind, <laughs> but I never actually had to put down the, once you have to say, okay, here's chapter one, chapter two, here's an appendix, here's all that stuff. And not just saying those words. It's, then they wanted for every chapter, five or six sentences, what is included in, in this chapter? Yeah. It, it also, from the business plan perspective, the other thing it did is you have to really dive into your target audience. Look at your target audience. What else? We, oh, well, we had to look at sort of how do you know they need what you need? Yeah. What have you done to reach out to them so far? Who else is in the market? So you had sort of this looking at the competitors. Mm-hmm. And then just that whole process was amazing. Yeah. So it may be beneficial for you to actually do something like that for the program that you want to grow. Because what I find is when you have that framework together, it makes it much easier to begin to move forward and you can track your progress. You can say, I'm moving towards creating this thing that I say that I want. And I'm not saying that you don't want it, but you know, our actions speak louder than our words. And so that having that plan in place allows you the ability to better track. Right. Well, I think, and not just track, I think it also keeps you actually focused on what are those steps? Am I doing, you know, because you could say you're doing something, but you're right. Unless you really know what that next step is, it's not that end goal. You can start to see, okay, I am moving forward. So yeah, you're you're, you're definitely right. I I appreciate your shot of the spotlight on me. (laughs) Kind of hold me accountable for it. No, I, again, it, <laughs> for, this, sure. for those of you that are, th- this is not pre-scripted. We're just having a conversation <laughs> and, and decided that we would record it just as this podcast interview, Saul and I connected on LinkedIn. You, you heard him say that he was doing a lot of posts on LinkedIn and that's how we actually connected. I would encourage you, if you're not, and we're going to include his LinkedIn connection in the show notes, but if you're not connected with him, definitely connect with him and become a follower particularly if you're interested in tips for younger engineers. Absolutely. I'm certainly happy to. My my feeling when it comes to connecting with new people is I'll I'll pretty much accept almost anybody because what's the downside? If the person turns out to be a total nutbag, that's fine. (laughs) I'll just, I'll I'll unfollow or disconnect later. You can always disconnect. So exactly. So you've mentioned about networking and just in general. And some of the tips that you provide to younger engineers, how has that networking piece helped you as a business owner? So from a business owner perspective, what are some of the key things that you would look for or that you would say about networking? But for the first thing is that it should become a mindset shift that some people have, and it shouldn't be, okay, what can I get from this person? What can I give them? That makes it very transactional. Mm-hmm. I think you want to come to come at networking with a, hey, I just want to have a relationship, sort of like business friends. Let's have a connection. I don't know where it's going to go. I have no idea, but we're in the same general industry. Or even if, hey, we both deal with real estate, we could be on completely opposite sides, but who knows? So you have sort of that general demographic, you're connecting with people and you start to learn more. And I think it's really more of a mindset that, hey, down the road, I may be able to help them. They may be able to help me hurricane prep. You, mm-hmm. you never know when you're going to need it, but you want to have it sitting, all those supplies sitting there in your garage, just in case the storm hits. Mm-hmm. Because at, listen, as you learned from Corona, you could get fired tomorrow. It, it could happen. You never yeah. know. Yeah. And that's not the time to start calling people and start trying to develop those connections as opposed to just, hey, build it up over time and develop them. Yeah. So one of the key things would be there's value in nurturing relationships just for the sake of nurturing relationships, not because you need something, 
not because there's a dire need, but it, it may be something in the future, but you're nurturing relationships just for nurturing those relationships sake and getting those reps in to connecting with people. Right. And listen, obviously there's times where you are focusing on a very specific type of person or, or demographic. And that's totally cool. When I do my outreach on LinkedIn, I look for people who are involved in certain green energy programs. I'm looking for younger engineers or other small engineering business owners. That's okay to have that focus, but you also want to have a bit of an open mind because you really never know where that help can come from. But let's go with, stick with the engineering firm. Every engineering firm has front office staff, production staff, yep. the financial people, some accountants. They could have, if the big enough company, they might have people who are just physically working on the building that your office is housing. Mm-hmm. All of those people know other people. So they might know somebody in the engineering firm. If you get to know them, they might say, hey, listen, I have no idea what goes on the fifth floor, but I'd be happy to introduce you. That's why I, I have that open approach. You never know when, when somebody can help you. But in my t- that said, in my targeted approach, I do have to save my time. I'm not just going to go randomly sending out <laughs> lots of connections. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's absolutely true. You want to kind of, in a way, filter through your focus. Who are you focusing on? Who are you trying to connect with? Right. Who are you trying to help? And just who are you... Yeah, just trying to get that focus so that you're not wasting your time randomly picking people or going through people to connect with. What, I, what I've found, because let's be honest here, the odds of somebody who's in your demographic helping you or you being helpful to them is obviously higher. Yeah. One thing that I have found is really useful is instead of searching for certain titles or certain roles, mm-hmm. if you use LinkedIn, use the search function, start looking for, once you type in a topic, instead of filtering by people, filter by post, and then you can find people who are talking about it. And that not only does that find people who are potentially within your demographic, but very specifically, it's a topic that you're interested in. So you can also engage and join that conversation, which is going to sort of add another level to that connection as well. Ooh, a LinkedIn networking tip. So hey. you go to the search, it, the search function, put yeah. in the topic, search by post so that you can connect with people that are talking about the things that are important to you. So I think that's a great man. Yeah, I use that. I use that one all the time. Okay. All right, listen, we're going to be wrapping this interview up. Is there anything else, any words of wisdom that you would have for the listeners of the Engineer Your Success podcast? Well, I would tell people if you have a, there's a topic, like let's say that you want to learn more about whether you are that seasoned engineer and you just have something you don't know about or you're that younger engineer, you're a little nervous, just start to ask people because I have found that if you come from, you know, just a place of learning, hey, I would like to know more about this, or how does this apply in various situations? Most senior engineers and most people within the field are willing to help. And so if you just come take networking as I'm just trying to build a connection, I'm not trying to get something from you. I'm just trying to learn from your experience that most of are there to help. And it really makes networking more enjoyable. It makes your development much quicker. It really helps open up your eyes to potential new paths or new service lines that are out there. Okay. And so, so how can our listeners connect with you? What's the best way for them to connect? Well, the easiest is probably LinkedIn. They can uh, just search for me on there. Happy to connect with you. In particular, any younger engineers or early career engineers, they can go to my website, The Engineering Mentor, and check out some of my articles there. And I certainly invite them to reach out to me through the website or sign up for my free newsletter as well. Okay. 
All right, so I'm going to end this podcast like I end every podcast episode, and that's this. Many people know what to do. Fewer people know how to do it, and there's a select group of people that actually follow through and do it and are living the life of their dreams or building the business of their dreams. I want to thank you for being part of that select few. Thank you. I, I cer- certainly appreciate the compliments and uh, great conversation. Hopefully your listeners will gain from it. All right. Thanks. All right, take care. Thank you for listening to Engineer Your Success with Dr. James Bryant. Do me a favor and subscribe to the podcast. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast player. Many people know what to do. Fewer people know how to do it and a small fraction of people actually do it. I believe that you can have success both in business and in life. And it's my passion to guide you on your path to engineering your success. Thanks.